Big Fluff. Curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters. A collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Joe. Christopher. Before we get started, mm-hmm. uh, I have a... Oh, man, what was I calling it? I don't know a, what you're A talking. log. Uh, oh, your star log? It's not a star log. Star We're, date. Oh, journal entry. Yes. I have a journal entry. Okay. okay. Is no now with your journal entry? Is there like a little lock that we have to like have to make some sort of like unlocking sound? I mean, if you really feel like editing not, that in, not that's not a locking sound. <laughs> mm, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so this is Chris's journal entry. <laughs> Star date. All right, so. Here's the journal entry. Uh, recently, in the month of March, mm-hmm. uh, there is a big push called Tripod. Now, yes. you listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Have, have you have you done some tripods? Have you yeah. tweeted out? Have you texted out? Have you? I, I don't do those, but I've listened to plenty of podcasts. Okay. That well, people are like, Tripod. And I'm like, I know pod. Well, oddly enough, <laughs> we both listen to podcasts and have a podcast. You're listening to it right now. It's called The Curioso. And uh, I just want to say, if there is a podcast out there that you love uh, that is not us or that is us, mm-hmm. uh, tweet it out or Facebook it out or tell a friend uh, that to, to, to listen to it. Yeah, that's and the best way. That's what I've been doing. And in fact, I've, I've been doing that recently with a few different podcasts that I listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we talk about History Goes Bump, mm-hmm. uh, Heroes and Villains, a few other podcasts that I just, I, I love. Welcome to Night Vale. Yep. Love all of them. No Sleep Podcast. Oh, uh, which, ooh, what's that one? It's it, mostly scary horror stories. Okay. Read by a full cast. It's really good. Oh, well, I have to listen to that yeah. one. You didn't even tell me you were listening to that one. So <laughs> You should try pod, Chris. I, I do try pod. I listen to like 80 <laughs> podcasts. So, but anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this one. And if you could share it with a friend, that would be awesome. And mm-hmm. if you could write a review, that would be even better. Right. So I just finally got my wife, Dana, to write a review. Like after yeah, we've many been, years. We've been around for like three years, and she just finally wrote a review <laughs> for like, us. She's fine. So. Just stop bugging me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, I, I digress. On to the episode. What are we talking about today? Okay, now, I haven't come up with a name for it yet. Okay, because I tried to describe this to my lovely lady friend, mm-hmm. and... Uh, that's what I said. I'm like, I don't really know how we're going to name this. Yeah, the concept is a little is a little different. So uh-huh. we had an episode, uh, I believe it was last year, for our Halloween episodes, where we had a buried alive episode. Yes. Where it was all about people that had buried themselves alive or mm. accidentally buried themselves alive or on purpose buried themselves alive. Right. So this is really stuff that's buried on purpose. Okay. And it, you know, and this this covers more than just like your average municipal dump. Yeah, this isn't like people that are buried. Also, this okay. is just stuff. It's kind Objects. of like it's not necessarily buried treasure, although it could be. Yeah, but I, I think we're basically talking about different buried things, and okay. and you know, just the history behind them. It's just kind of a loose 
narrative congregation okay of of buried things okay so, so i think i'm just going to call it like buried things buried things yeah. okay so that kind of ties into a few episodes we've done yeah i think so so let's start off with some real easy things that mm-hmm. you might even find in your own backyard so there was several lists and things that i found where people find random things that maybe they didn't bury on their property, right. in their backyard or whatever, but through planting a garden or doing construction on their property or something, unearthed these random, really strange objects on their property, mm-hmm. like large caches of money. That does happen sometimes. Yeah. I was There was one that I really wanted to talk about, but then I realized it was uh, associated with D.B. Cooper. <laughs> oh, nice. And I was like, no, we should probably save that for, like, when a we D. talk D. about D.B. Cooper. Yeah, right, yeah. So there's one case where a man in Illinois was basically just picking vegetables from his garden mm-hmm. and noticed the corner of a nylon bag sticking out of his garden. Right, okay. He dug around it, and <laughs> he ended up finding $150,000 in cash stored in the bag. Holy smokes. Mm-hmm. $150,000. Yeah, and the guy actually turned it into the authorities because he, he thought maybe it was stashed there due to some robbery or something. Okay, so if you were this person <laughs> mm-hmm. and you found this money. Oh, it would go in my bank. Is that what it, it, <laughs> it just, would go it, direct into my bank. But you wouldn't be worried that, like, someone's going to notice okay. the... Okay, I would, first I would go to Vegas, uh, gamble all of it, play, like, one game, and then go and take it all out. Thus laundering said <laughs> money. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way anymore. But, no, I, I would probably go take it to the authorities and be like, look, I found $5 in my backyard... You don't really want the rest of this hundred and forty-five thousand, do you? Man, I'm just saying you have to have some like serious morals to just turn that into the well, authorities. Because, but and here's the thing: is if he turned it in mm-hmm. to his bank, right? And any of those notes were flagged from an actual robbery, mm-hmm. then he might be held liable for that. Okay, so I have a really great one, mm-hmm. uh, and I was. I was trying to find just different things that were buried. And one of the things that detectorists, I know that they're called detectorists. Detectorists? Because, yeah. I, I've told you to watch this show on Netflix. I know. But it's I, called Detectorists. It's the guys and they with get the, the metal the, detectors. Yeah, because yeah. people call them metal detectors and they uh-huh. say, no, 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 no. We're detectorists. detectorists. We hold metal detectors. <laughs> it, uh, it's I, I forgot the two actors' names, but it's the guy who uh, plays like Aram Zola in the in the – in the uh, Captain America movie, mm-hmm. it's that guy, and then the, the he's like one of the two like goofy pirate guys, the tall one from uh, from the the pirates movies, the pirates of the Caribbean movies. Uh-huh. He's like the goofy tall one. I've seen him in other things, but yeah. they're they're both in it, and it's really really good. And it's mm. just about them and their struggles and like having like a you know, and they're all over England, mm-hmm. which there's you know there's that's where so the history m- comes from. Yeah, that as is Eddie Hazard would say. <laughs> yeah, it's true because there's just stuff that's been buried there from from several world wars and also like Viking, you know, yes, paraphernalia like, and stuff lot like that in the ground. Older of a civilization right. than America. So, but but what I was going to say is, detectorists always find things. You know, the 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 big thing for them to find is is a ring. Right. Okay. Like that would be a huge thing to find a ring, and you know it's worth a little bit of money, but it's really cool to just be able to find something like that. Well, uh-huh. uh, a woman named Lena P- 
Pashlan. She first married and met her hu- husband, Ola, and they designed their own wedding ring. It was a, a white gold ring and had seven small diamonds on it. And in 1995, she was doing some Christmas baking and the ring went missing. She had placed it up on like a clean surface somewhere while she was, you know, cooking because you don't want it to get lost. And then all of a sudden they were cleaning up and could not find it anywhere. They searched the kitchen all over their home. They live in Mora, Sweden, but it just completely had disappeared. And then a few years later, they were doing some renovations and they started pulling up the tiles from the kitchen floor and they were hoping maybe they would find the ring. They never found it. But then in 2011, 16 years after the wedding ring had gone missing, Lena was working in her vegetable garden. She pulled up a carrot, uh, almost ready to kind of toss it, and she saw something shiny attached to it. And it was her wedding ring. Somehow, it had made it out into the garden, into the dirt, and a carrot had grown through it. Sweet. Isn't that absolutely amazing? So, uh, yeah, the, the carrot, the, the, the stalk of the carrot had grown through it, and it was just sitting on top of the, of the orange carrot. Nice. So, uh, and it was like snugly o- around where the greens met the root. Mm-hmm. So uh, she let out a screech and her daughter Anna heard it from the inside the house and freaked out and like came out. The couple never knew exactly where or how it ended up in the garden, but they guess maybe it fell into the compost food bin and that ended up oh, in the yeah. compost pile yeah. and eventually was spread all over the vegetable garden where eventually this carrot grew through it and she found it 16 years later. Huh. Isn't that Flippin' amazing. That's cool. How many carrots was that? Oh, uh, just one carrot. <laughs> just, just one just, carrot. Just one. Just sticking up, up like a finger. Now, I meant the ring. So I, I, it doesn't say. I'm it joking. just said it was like white gold with seven diamonds. I mean, that's that's pretty good. And yeah. it had all the diamonds in it afterwards. Oh, wow. Regardless of how it happened, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, now, the problem is, is that the ring is now too small to fit Lena's finger because I guess... She was resized, you know, which has happened to a lot of us, you know. So, right, you know, in our in our after sixteen years, you've, right, you've eaten a lot of Christmas cookies, you know. Uh huh. <laughs> so from cash to gold to even more bizarre things, like how about a full sized real Ferrari? What? Yeah. Barry. A car. Yeah, a Ferrari. Dude, you can't just. You you really have to like that's a that's a full size car. But I'm saying that's a lot of digging. Well, okay. So two kids stumbled on a Dyno 246 GTS Ferrari in an LA back garden in 1978. The car was supposedly buried by thieves 4 years previous uh, as part of an insurance scam. Oh, okay. So they were doing an insurance scam and they said someone stole it, but instead they buried it and hope, right. hoping to uh, eventually one day come back, dig it up. And have the car and the money too. Exactly. Oh, crazy. Okay. Yeah. The people that actually found it fully restored it. And apparently the, um, what are they called? Vanity plates? Yeah. Uh, they spell out dug up. <laughs> <laughs> but That's it's a pretty great. car. I mean, look at that thing. It's pretty. Oh, yeah. Totally fully restored. Yeah. So I have uh, I have one here. This comes from California, out in Woodland Hills, California. Uh, Chris and Colleen Otskaseek. Okay. Otskik. Otskik. Okay. Sure. I'll go with that. That sounds right. Uh, they heard that there was a kind of fallout shelter 
somewhere on the grounds when they bought this property. Mm-hmm. But they didn't realize that, you know, what it was. They, so they bought it. They bought the house and they moved in. And one day, a few weekends after they they moved in, they, they decided to start looking for this fallout shelter. And they found it. They found a hatch. And they thought it was just going to be like a little tiny hole with maybe some metal around it. so A that, couple of shelves. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Well, they went into it, and it's this gigantic shelter uh, that was dug in 1961, 15 feet below the ground, to protect the family from radiation in case of nuclear nuclear attack. Yeah, it was during the um, Cold War. Yeah, so the entire thing was filled with sleeping bags, a water tank, coffee cans, canned food, Dixie cups, paper towels, saran wrap, Kleenex. And all the original and vintage packaging. Mm-hmm. Right? So, uh, yeah. So, oh, you have this story too, Joe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're looking at the picture too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you could just literally go in. It had science fiction magazines, board games. and There's a, there's a whole crate of Le Domine Champagne. Champagne. I'll spill it on your boobs. <laughs> or whatever. Hills Brother Coffee. Like, like fully stocked. Fully yeah. stocked and ready to go. What I what I like is that they had a thirty year calendar oh, that nice. was inside, so that you know, in case they had to stay down there for a while, yeah. you know, a couple of years. Wasn't there was a movie? Bad. Wasn't there a movie back in the nineties with Brendan Fraser and uh, Christopher Walken played his dad? Where he was like they in were, a they in thought, like a fallout shelter. Yeah, they thought there was a, a bomb coming, and they all hid in a fallout shelter. And never and came then, out. Well, Brendan Fraser finally comes out in like the nineties. Yeah. He's like, What's going on? The world is so weird. And he talked <laughs> he was from the sixties. Yeah. It was really, yeah. really funny. I, uh, was it uh what was the one with John Goodman that was like the sequel to Cloverfield? That was recently uh, about that. Did like you have you seen Nine that Cloverfield Lane or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Did you see that one? Yeah, it was good. Did you man, I haven't seen it yet. I'd good. really like to. Goodman is awesome. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I I'm sure. I'm sure. But yeah, I'd I'd really like to see that. But I don't think I ever saw Cloverfield. So I don't, I don't, yeah, it's, I don't need to, you, you don't need to for this. Yeah. So but, I could just watch the one with John Goodman and enjoy John Goodman being John Goodman. Yes. Okay. That's what I would recommend. All right. I will. So I also saw things like 450 kilogram whale fossil bones. Whale fossils? Mm-hmm. That's 1978, like- a schoolboy discovered something sticking out of the ground uh, with markings on it, and he was curious, and he started digging with his friends, and found out it was a huge, giant whale fossil. So he thought he was maybe digging up a giant, a big rock or something. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but he was like, "Whoa, what is this?" Mm-hmm. And it, it turned out to be like a whale vertebrae. Yeah, and it dates back fourteen to sixteen million years old. Holy crap! Yeah, that's a good find. Yeah, for, for a small boy. Really, I would <laughs> imagine that you could probably sell that to. Uh, a museum or something for... Do they buy stuff? Know. I thought you had to donate. Oh, you might have to donate. And that, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. No. <laughs> no. I know what you would do. You would turn it into a coffee table. You uh, would just throw no, like a I glass would, thing on top. I would turn it into like like a, a, a garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what I would do. Everything from antique cash registers dating back to bury, the 40s. Why would you bury a cash register? Uh, I don't know. I have no, maybe there was money inside. <laughs> where, Who knows? Where was that? Yeah, it was in the U.S. Yeah? Yeah. And they just, <laughs> they just found a cash register, mm-hmm. like in their backyard or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Mastodon skeletons. Mastodon. Machine guns. One guy even found $175,000 worth of Mary Joanna. Oh, well, that's 
it's got to be dank if it's been down there for a while, right? <laughs> well, Just it, sitting down there. Apparently, he was installing uh, solar panels. Uh-huh. This is in L.A. in 2012. Right. And opening up an access panel to the, the backyard for probably power or something, someone had stashed $175,000 worth of pot in, like, little mason jars yeah. in this access panel that had apparently a lot of room. <laughs> so what you're saying is he opened up an access panel, uh-huh. found that, and then opened up a dispensary. <laughs> right. <laughs> People have found ancient cemeteries mm-hmm. in their yards doing, like, construction for pools and stuff, and they've right. come across caskets. There was one story where a man discovered 13 caskets uh, containing human re- remains that belonged to a cemetery that dated back to the early 1700s. So you have to think that you're just going to have to go to the uh, herbal store and, you know, not the California herbal kind of stores. Not from the guy but, in the previous yeah, yeah, segment. Yeah, but I mean, but to, to just go to the herbal store and like get some sage, man, at that point, right? <laughs> just burn some of that in your house at that point because that right. is... That Ancient is, burial ground. Yeah, like yep. you just found out your backyard is a cemetery. All right, Carol Ann, let's go. <laughs> but it, it wasn't, it's actually not that strange, right? Because there's... No, I, there's... I had a friend who took me to an old neighborhood that she used to live in when she was a little girl. Mm-hmm. And there's this little triangle of trees in between all these houses. Right. And it's like, there's like a little path that kids would walk through when they'd go to school. Yeah. And she's like, come back here. I want to show you something. It's really weird. And no one really knows the story behind it. Mm -hmm. So we walk back there, and literally amongst the trees and overgrown bushes and everything, there's headstones back there. Oh, yeah. So it was a little tiny plot. It was probably a church back there at some point. Yeah, or or a family plot or something. Yeah. But you wouldn't—it's like little rural community. All the houses look the same. Little plot of of trees. Right. You would never even know it was back there. It's one of those things that you, you know, just— being from Maryland, you know, driving on the Eastern Shore, mm. you know, when you drive to Ocean City for the summer or something like that, you see them out on the Eastern Shore all the time yeah. because there was little churches out there and stuff like that. And there's these little tiny plots that are just have a fence around them. Mm-hmm. And they're they're not even an acre, you yeah. know, they're, but they're little cemeteries that right. were for the community or something like that. And you find a few of them. Uh, like in Pasadena, where I live right now, mm-hmm. you'll just drive on some back roads and there'll be like a little plot right there. Or something, yeah, you know? random headstone. Right. Yeah. All right, Joe. So we had talked to a guy named Frank Tybush before. You yes. remember Frank? Yeah. Frank was on our episode where we talked about Champ. Mm-hmm. We've talked to him a couple of different times about just like amateur archaeology and things mm-hmm. like that. And Well, he also does a YouTube show right. called History at Risk. Right. He has his own show, and, and he had a, a gentleman on there before, and they had spoken about the privy diggers. Yeah. Right? So a privy. Soilman, night, so- nightman, or whatever. Right, the not, night- not the nightman. <laughs> the nightman. <laughs> ah! Um, ah! So, so privy diggers are basically people who will find you know, in a backyard somewhere where they used to have an outhouse Mm -hmm. and they'll dig where the privy used to be, where the the outhouse used to be. That seems like a crappy job. Well, okay. So here's (laughs) the thing. You you would think so, but because it's been filled with soil and it basically just turns into dirt, right? I mean, when you are growing vegetables. You're uh, putting poop on it. You are, yeah. And you have your hands in it and you're digging in it. And Mm -hmm. that's just how it is, you know? You just, just make sure that when you're, you know, after you're done tending to your 
tomatoes that you go back inside and wash your hands before you eat your tomato sandwich. <laughs> but uh, but Frank uh, and, and, and uh, uh, us, Frank and I, Frank and you and me, what, what is the, We were talking. Right. That's the word I was looking for. We were talking about uh, a lot of the time what they find are old bottles mm-hmm. because, you know, you know, you could find all different kinds of things in there. Doll heads and, uh, you know, eyeglasses that people dropped down the privy because they were reading the newspaper, you know, on the, <laughs> on the toilet. Their morning business. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, one of the things that they find a lot of is old uh, bottles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess grandpa is drinking his cough medicine, you know, <laughs> in the privy and doesn't want grandma to know. Right. Perfect place to stash the old bottle is right down the privy. Uh-huh. You know, you just throw it right down into the tunnel. Right. So they find these a lot. And what happens is because of the the, the urine mm-hmm. that's in there, that the urine has a tendency to soak into the bottles. And uh, I was texting Frank because we, had, we were kind of talking about it. I really wanted to mention it. And he said that it's a degradation of the glass from the uric acid and the minerals. Hmm. Uh, and it plays on the imperfection of, of the glass. And it leaves like iridescent kind of uh, like, a, like a sheen on it. Mm-hmm. And where the imperfections of the glass are specifically, it leaves like an ir- uh, iridescent kind of groove if it has any kind of cracks or anything like that. Hmm. So it, it leaves these bottles looking just like beautiful and iridescent, but really what they are are piss-soaked piss. glass. Yeah, piss bottle. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, you know, apparently it's one of the things that he find in privies uh, uh, quite a lot. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, but they're but they're absolutely gorgeous. They're beautiful when they come out and you clean them off. Right. You know? But they had to be down there for... Oh, a a long time. More than like a day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't just like pee into a bottle and expect it to come out beautiful. (laughs) It has to sit there for a long time. Yeah. A couple hundred years, maybe. Yeah, they they actually react with each other. Yes. Yeah. I was kind of looking up some privy diggers. And so apparently just in like every single job or hobby, you have good people and you have bad people. Yeah, I so, would say so. I, so here's one about some privy diggers that aren't so great. This story comes from 2001, uh, where a old potty hole in Lincoln, Nebraska, this gentleman by the name of Tim Clemens was uh, hauled into court over the, the over the summer for charges of criminal trespass, criminal mischief, and theft. Because Mr. Clemens was rooting into the uh, the old privy hole. So he was looking for bottles, dishes, uh, and he is a privy digger. But the, the problem is, is that he wasn't allowed to be on the premises. Oh, he didn't have permission. He didn't have permission. See, so now here's the thing. You can only go in the potty hole if you have permission. If you have permission. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's a euphemism. So uh, I, I, oh, it was in uh, June of that year, Peter Bleed, he's an archaeologist with the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. He picked a privy. He intended to ask excavate uh, on a construction site at the university that he that he worked with. Mm-hmm. He was going to use the standard archaeological procedure where you dig out the hole. It's not just digging a hole straight down the center. It has a lot to do with finding the corners of where it was dug because the way <laughs> this is so this is so gross. Uh, but have you ever used like a a, a public potty, you know, like a spot john mm-hmm. you know? A, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. So have you ever been to like a music festival where it's been there all day? Yes. They have terrible. a tendency, the pile has a tendency to be in the Pyramid. middle. Uh, yes, it is mound-shaped. So 
if you were going to, say, throw a bottle or something into it to get rid of it instead of right. throwing it in the trash, uh-huh. it doesn't just stay in the very middle. It rolls down to the sides. Right. So what this guy Crap did— rolls downhill. Yeah. What this, what, the, what this guy did was he just dug straight down the middle, and he found a whole bunch of stuff. Uh-huh. But he also caused a problem because he didn't go around all the sides where all the good stuff is. So he didn't even find everything. So he basically just broke into the site and he he got charged for it. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I just think that's that's really cool. So if you are an amateur archaeologist, uh, first off, you probably know a lot more about the subject than we do. (laughs) Uh, But second off, get permission to go into the potty hole, like Joe said. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We We Have have to Ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peaksloth Network at peaksloth.com. All right, Joe. So this is one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Okay. It it is just filled with a few twists and turns. Right. And it's absolutely beautiful. Now, I want to mention, since it's, of course, uh, we're we're in tripod month at Mm -hmm. the moment. Hashtag tripod, T-R-Y pod, not like the kind that you put on the, you know, underneath of a camera or something. I want you to go and subscribe to the Useless Information Podcast. (laughs) So I even know the guy's name, Steve Silverman. He wrote like a few books. What was it? Like Lindbergh's Artificial Heart and Hmm. something, I think Einstein's Brain or something like that. And Mm -hmm. they're all, oddly enough, calling back to our last segment, they're really like sitting on the potty kind of books. You know what I mean? They're they're the kind of books that you would read sitting on the potty. But number 16 of his podcast, he talks about the Flubber fiasco. Oh, nice. Do you know what Flubber is? Yeah, from the movie. Right. Movies, I should say. There was an original movie called Flubber, Mm -hmm. and then there was a movie in 1963 called Son of Flubber. (laughs) And it was the sequel to The Absent-Minded Professor. It wasn't called Flubber. It was The Absent-Minded Professor. Yeah. I apologize. So I remember seeing that movie when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So And uh, there was one with uh, Robin Williams later Right. That was in like 1997. Right. That came out. But The Absent-Minded Professor, I remember sitting down and watching that and like uh the kids put it on the bottom of their converse and they're like jumping up and making Mm -hmm. basketball hoops and everything and i remember like watching that with my mom in black and white so uh but uh it was one of the very first films uh with a toy company marketing tie-in Ooh, sweet the hassenfield brothers uh also known as hasbro Mm -hmm. right you know hasbro they Mm -hmm. make uh bouncy balls and all kinds of different stuff so they made millions of units of gooey flexible polymer and they called it Flubber. Think of what's what's a modern version of that, like Gak or that, that right. Silly Putty. I think Silly Putty is really probably the closest what it, of, of what it was. Because right. I think Silly Putty, you can actually make into a ball and mm-hmm. bounce it and do a few different things yeah, with it. Yeah, Gak is more gooey, more slimy. Right. And yeah. it was like this kind of blue colored mixture, mm-hmm. uh, very much like it was supposed to be in the, in the movie. Right. So uh, now... Here's the thing is nobody knows because Hasbro is very tight-lipped on what it was made out of. But generally, when you make uh, a type of polymer and make Silly Putty, you use some mixture of rubber and mineral oil Mm -hmm. uh, and possibly uh, you can make – like there's tons of YouTube videos about like slime. Yeah, right? making your own... Making your own slime. And yeah. one of the things that a lot of the time goes into it is borax mm-hmm. or sodium borate. 
Now, the problem with borax, although it is very good for scrubbing your tiles and things like that, <laughs> right. it is an element, and that element is apparently poisonous to human beings. It can be a little caustic, yeah. Yeah, and uh, a lot of children nowadays uh, are making these, you know, these little slimes and stuff mm -hmm. with borax, borax, and it's making them sick. Right. So now I, I I don't know like what the dosage is or what, but it's it can cause problems. But and there are many other recipes that you can use. There are there are, and some using like dish detergent and, and stuff like that. And if like you want Elmer's to make your own glue slime. and yeah. Thing. yeah yeah. So uh, now you you can you can you can make it at home, but mm -hmm. you probably shouldn't. You know you should get it from a manufacturer who yes who who actually knows how to make it and apparently doesn't doesn't make it with. Gross Caustic stuff like chemicals, like, like borax, like lead, Hasbro did lead. back in the 1960s. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you're, and that's the other thing is you're talking about the 60s. Right. So we still use a bunch of harmful, horrible chemicals for children's toys. Uh, yeah, absolutely. This is uh, some of the best parts. So uh, Flubber hit the shelves in early 1963, and shortly after, about 1,600 reports of rashes, throat sores tied into the product from other knockoff companies that also made of course you know, they made stuff like cheaper flipper and yeah. you know things like that instead of flubber the reports prompted an investigation by the food and drug administration the fda and a lawsuit caused a voluntary recall by hasbro mm. even though no direct link was found they wanted to make 100 certain that the safety and health care of the children was was taken care of, mm -hmm. which is important, which I think is good that the company did that. Yeah. So what do you do when you have, you know, tons of flubber, like 100 million units of, you Recalled know, flubber. Recalled shells yeah, what do you, what you, do you can't do sell them. Right. So uh, light them on fire. Well, in the 1960s, that is what you do. You try to light them on fire. <laughs> of course. And, and that is apparently what they did. Uh -huh. So... Uh, Creating toxic fumes and smoke. It was like big. So apparently, because it was this rubber compound, it's a tire have you ever fire. seen like a tire tire fire? There's a. <laughs> That's exactly. This is one of my favorite things about uh, Baltimore. Have you ever heard of the, There's a fire in the tar factory. No. There was a reporter. Oh God! Tangent, tangent, everybody, hang on for one second. Uh, so there was a reporter who was not from Baltimore, and I believe this was sometime during the '60s as well. Mm -hmm. There was a tar factory. As in T A R T A R Tar that caught fire. Right. So the reporter was asking around. Oh no no I'm sorry. A tire factory. It was an actual tire factory. T I R E T I R E. So uh, the the reporter asked asked someone what's going on, and they said that there's a uh, a far in the tar factory. An so, F A R in the T A R. <laughs> so. <laughs> So the reporter wrote that there was a, a fire in the tar factory when there was actually a fire in the tire factory. Ah. And that is a real thing that actually happened in Baltimore. I, I don't have the specifics because I just know this from memory. So I don't <laughs> remember the reporter and all that. But I, but it, it's just so funny that that is um, because people in Baltimore say things dumb. Like, uh, <laughs> like they say water. Instead of water, it's not and just Baltimore. It isn't. There are other I think like states. Philly does that too. But there are other states. But they that have say they say tars instead of tires. Yeah, and it's just it's just this awful accent that uh, yeah. uh, most Baltimoreans have. Dogs so, instead of dogs. Right, and and I am a part of that. Yeah. So you you probably hear that come out in my speech sometimes if you listen to this podcast. Yeah, and so, if you're like me, you snicker and giggle all the time. Right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, 
giant billowing clouds of black smoke. They could not get rid of this flubber. So then they went to a, uh, a cremation place to try and do it. And it was these billowing black clouds that were just floating above the town. So they decided they weren't going to do that. Right. Then, and then you have uh, the problem with, with zombies. Right. If you burn all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Return of the Living Dead Part 2. more cops. More cops. <laughs> so, so then they tried to take it to the municipal dump. Right, as you would. Right, yeah. I would go and take a municipal dump too. Uh, <laughs> but they had a problem with kids trying to break into the dump and steal the, the flubber out of what? the dump. So they, even, they could have even, it. Even while they had the rashes? Yeah, and they were worried about it. <laughs> Because it was all this, you know, free toys, basically, right? But so, the free toy comes with a free rash. I, I know, I know. But not, it was only like 10% of the kids that were getting the rash. Oh, so I see. you only had a 10% chance. So Billy and Tommy gets the rash, but little Jimmy yeah, doesn't. Yeah, once you fight off the rash, you can get some free flubber, <laughs> right? You know, from the dump. So they decided to pick that, pick it back up again, and they had all these crates of flubber, so they didn't know what to do with them again. Okay. So then they apparently tried to dump them in uh, in a local water source. Of they were course. just going to, because it's the 60s, and, uh, you know, the nothing EPA can, wasn't really around yet. Nothing bad can happen from that. Yeah. So they tried to dump it. But it turns out, if you've ever played with Silly Putty and you've put it in water, it floats. They float. They all float down here. <laughs> so yeah. Flubber apparently floats. So then they had to, uh, I believe they actually rented some 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 boats uh-huh. and they picked all the flubber back up and then brought it back so they at this point they've tried to get rid of this like four times like cat came back the very next day so on fire in the dump being stolen by children who want free rashy flubber right uh, just dump it in the dump, dump it in, in the, the water in the water they couldn't do it so what do you do with it so what do you do with it here's what you do apparently when your company is about to make a brand new parking lot you dig a hole oh, you dump it in that hole you run it over with uh some uh steam some steam rollers right. and then you pave over that sucker and then you walk away and then you walk away movie explosion walk away right so so uh so that's apparently what happened and there are some hasbro ceos that uh that have definitely said that 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 had happened. Wow. Although the company denies it, uh, it's it's kind of like one of those, oh, it's a cover-up thing. But apparently it's not a myth. It is actually there. Uh, it's buried under Delta Drive. They're not sure exactly how much of it made it under Delta Drive, but apparently that's where it is. 60 Delta Drive in Pawtucket at the Formo Hasbro facility, and sometimes they call it the D Street plant hmm. because that's where it's right outside of. So uh, the company, uh, the building was sold in 1997 and now houses a packaging and marketing company. But here is where the myth kind of enters, right? Like we know most of that is is 100% true. However, mm-hmm. they've done ground soil samples around to see if any borax has entered around. They haven't found anything like that. So, right. or at least it doesn't exceed reportable standards. What people say that work at that packaging plant and that have worked at Hasbro until 1997 when they moved their offices, Mm -hmm. is that during the summertime, when it gets real hot Mm -hmm. between the cracks in the the pavement, they see green goo oozing oozing up up from from, the depths. From the depths. So so that is like the myth. We don't know whether that happened. However, in my mind, I would like to think that that actually happened. So (laughs) I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Blissful ignorance, Joe. I Uh, want Flubber to be coming up from between the cracks. And eventually, in like a thousand years, it'll turn into 
the stuff. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Are you eating it, or is it eating you? I'm just is it going to keep that beautiful blue tint? Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> well, that story kind of leads into the next thing that I want to talk about. Okay. Do you know what a super fund site is? Super fun. Not, I, I not, love having super fun. It's not super fun. It's it's not super fun. F U N. Super fund. Oh. F U N D. Uh, I have no. I don't know what that is. I I have a hard time saving any money. <laughs> okay. It is a long-term facility for contaminated or polluted things. Typically a location, it's deemed that it needs to be cleaned up because of the hazardous, contaminated, polluted stuff in the area. Oh, that sounds awful. There is a priority list under the Comprehensive Environmental Response Compensation and Liability Act, or the CERCLA that was enacted in 1980 from all of the terrible things that we like to throw underground. As of 2014, there are some 1,300 Superfund sites that exist containing things like agricultural waste, biomedical, chemical waste, biohazardous, radioactive waste, slag, sludge, and all manner of other harmful things. So these are either sites that were contaminated due to accidents, due to improper storage, you name it, they will become a Superfund site. Again, not super fun. Fund. Fund. With a D at the end. Right. In order to get them cleaned up, hopefully. So these aren't like your normal everyday municipal dumps where it's a designated spot, designated ways to make things not leach into the ground soil. And you know, there's, there's a whole regimen that they have to follow. Can't you just uh, wrap it up in some saran wrap or? No. Maybe put some flubber around it? <laughs> yes. Bury it under a car park. <laughs> One of the largest, the third deepest geological repository, which is kind of like where a Superfund would send the waste that they clean up. Mm -hmm. This is a geological repository, and it's called the Waste Isolation Pilot Plant, or the WIP. The WIP? What you got on my WIP? And it's in charge of long-term disposal and or, quote, uh, storage of mostly transuranic radioactive waste that sounds awful yeah it's chemical elements with the atomic number greater than 92 okay so what that means is that when they decay the decaying process makes them very unstable and most of the time they stay radioactive for something like oh a mere ten thousand years oh that's it yeah that's that's nothing and possibly in the bucket yeah, and possibly even up to 24,000 years. Oh, my God. So this is things from, like, nuclear plants, uh, weapons-grade stuff that they've used. I've heard when they, they do stuff like, you know, dig coal and, and, and things like that. When mm -hmm. they're, like, just regular mines. Right. When they're looking for ore and gold and, and, mm -hmm. and, and things like that. Yeah. And sometimes they also find radioactive particles as well. They do. Those are, they're naturally occurring. Right. In so, the ground. Yeah, they, they push them through some sort of a filter, and it grabs these radioactive particles, mm -hmm. and then they have to do something with those. Right. You know, they have to find somewhere to store them. That would be here. Right. And this is not the only one. It's just the third deepest that exists in, in the U.S. Right. There are several others. There's, there's a large one in Germany uh, and a few other places. But when they find things like that, or when something is contaminated with such nasty things like radioactive materials and stuff, they go here. 
Now, this one is located in Carlsbad, New Mexico, in the quote-unquote nuclear corridor of New Mexico. It's kind of like the Bible Belt. Kinda. So <laughs> but less the, dangerous. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, but it, it, so there's also a nuclear power plant right down the road called, listen to this, called the National Enrichment Facility mm, okay. because they use enriched uranium for a lot of their projects. Right. There's also a waste control plant called the Waste Control Specialist Plant. So they just, so these places exist mm-hmm. to get rid of nuclear waste. Right. So in a reactor, the spent rods and things like that, you you can't just put them on a shelf. Right. They have to they're basically sealed in barrels, sealed in concrete, then sealed in lead and then buried a mile and a half down to ground. Because there's a salt mine. Nothing else you can do with it. Right. Because you can't you just can't have it sitting up on the surface where people walk by and get radiation poisoning. Right, because like I said, the their atomic numbers, their elements they're at a certain level where as they degrade, they get worse. Just across the border from there in Texas, there is the International Isotopes Incorporated plant. So it just seems like a real fun summer vacation spot. Nuclear plant, nuclear plant, waste disposal plant. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Sounds like a great place to go. So the WIP, they started building it in early 1970s. It houses some 2,500,000 cubic feet, over 72 metric tons of nuclear waste at approximately 650 meters or a half mile underneath the ground. That's quite a ways. And they kind of picked the spot because of the heavy salt content of the soil, Mm -hmm. thinking that the salt will help leach and kind of cure around everything yeah you know to kind of keep it in one spot joe this is making me nervous just talking about this oh (laughs) yeah no it's crazy the plant is expected to accept more nuclear and radioactive waste for another 25 to 35 years Mm. and this is as of 2014 this report there have been a good handful of incidents and accidents in and around the whip plant several fires there was a, a salt truck fire in 2014, and anytime, anytime they have issues, whether it's with the air filters, fires, everything is pretty much shut down, mm-hmm. and they have to test everything. So this is basically, they're basically nuclear dumps, like yeah. where normally you would take your TARs after the tar fire and throw them away. But uh-huh. it's not just that. We're talking about highly contaminated, <laughs> highly radioactive, very dangerous stuff. Okay, so I found a, a National Geographic uh, website, and uh-huh. I'll, I'm going to post this onto the the show notes. And basically, you can kind of type in wherever you are, mm-hmm. and it tells you where a Superfund site is near you. Yeah, well, there's a uh, lot. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> The closest one to us right now is 4.7 miles away. Mm-hmm. And then there's two more in a 10-mile radius. Yep. Uh, just south of Baltimore here where we where we record. Good golly, Miss Molly. Yeah. And I got to tell you, uh, like it shows in pink where mm-hmm. the where like the, the sites are. Right. And uh, Maryland was lit up. Well, and like I said, the, the list, there, there's a priority list for the mm-hmm. super fun sites. Right. Basically, which ones are higher priority. Right. And, and this has that too, right? Yeah, it's your, like, your color coding. It's like a dull pink and right. then a really bright pink. And there's mm-hmm. a few of them, yeah. So since 1983, the DOE, Department of Energy, 
has been trying to find a way to, how would you say this, to warn future peoples of the WIP facility. To not go there. Right. And other sites like it. Linguists, archaeologists, anthropologists, material scientists, science fiction writers, and like numerous other fields have been sort of given this task. We can't just use your normal average warning sign, radioactive. What if someone doesn't understand that in the future? Right. They might not know that word. Right. Because language changes. You're talking housing this stuff for at least 10,000 years. 10,000 years or more. So in 10,000 years, I don't know if humankind will still be around. Yeah. But what would you do? Some some form of humankind might be. Right. So how do you write a stay the F out sign that will, <laughs> that will, that will last forever? So they've, they've talked about different structures, spikes and pillars, etched granite slabs with like old pictograms on it. And apparently the final warning sign proposal mm-hmm. should be done by 2028. Oh, well, so hopefully we'll figure it out by then. Hopefully, yeah. eventually. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So one of the most dangerous things that we bury underground. All right, Joe. So you talked about nuclear waste being mm-hmm. buried underground. Mm-hmm. What if you had aliens buried under the ground? Some people think that's the thing. Maybe uh, ETs buried under the ground in a dump somewhere. Yeah, there's a YouTube thing that I just watched the other day where people think there might be some sort of unknown alien artifact buried in the Antarctic ice. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I was talking about E.T. E. as in Steven Spielberg's E.T. Oh, like, uh... <laughs> So have you, uh, we, okay, all right. I'm going to stop burying the lead. Have you watched... <laughs> was that intended? What? Burying the lead. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> have, have you watched um, Game Over? The documentary, it's on Netflix right now. I told you to watch it. Did you watch it? I watched it. Okay, so this is all about uh, the Atari company, Mm -hmm. right? So Uh, Atari was buried? uh, A lot of their games were. (laughs) Yes, this is true. So so you watched it. Hopefully, uh, listeners, uh, if you get a chance to watch this, it's very good. I really enjoyed it. And it is all about the unsold uh, game units. Basically, during the 70s, Atari was doing very, very well. Yes. They were up and coming, fast moving. They had video games locked down. They had uh, the quarter machines at the at the arcade. Right. Then they decided to create a port, mm-hmm. uh, the Atari 2600. Yes. And, uh, and basically bring it into the home for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there were plenty of competitors at the time, mm-hmm. lots of different factors, but eventually they started to regress and not be making as much money anymore. Right. As most markets, that, that's what happens right. uh, to a like certain point. The video game market, the at-home console video game market crashed. Uh, at the same time, there was a game that was released because of the movie E.T. Right. The Do extra you, testicle. Yeah. Do you have uh, fond memories of uh, E.T. growing up? Yeah, I love that movie. It was uh, Drew Barrymore, the magic, the mystery, the... Like, it was a, such a great movie. I, I can just tell you, E.T. scared the shit out of me really? when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, that whole scene where, like, the truck rips off and it's like, uh, so, you know, that, like, tubing is, like, hanging out behind yeah, it. And, like, yeah, Like, E.T. turns all white and weird like a dog poop in the 70s on, like, a, you know, <laughs> on, on, a lawn, on a lawn. On a hot, dry you know, lawn. And it's, yeah, it's like, ooh, it's just uh, it's scary. Well, you know the, what I mean? The people that scared I do me. love Reese's Pieces, though, so, do you? yeah. <laughs> 
Well, the CDS or the the bad guys, basically. Yeah. The government. Mm-hmm. Those were the guys that scared me in that movie. Right. I'm like, oh, yeah. the man's going to get you, Well, e. with, those, with those walkie-talkies that they yeah. have, they'll be like, oh, stop or I'll tell. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, but, uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and you know, this the game over the the the, the movie the, uh, the documentary the documentary is going to tell you a lot better than we can. But we just kind of wanted to mention it. Basically, when the the console war wars uh, was kind of lost by everyone, right? <laughs> at right. the time, it was really just a. Uh, just some misguided steps, and eventually they kind of ran out of money, and they had to do something with all these cartridges. Right. Uh, and they dumped it into a, a municipal dump. Out in New Mexico, right? Right near the nuclear corridor. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they dumped the games in a municipal dump in the New Mexico desert outside of Alamogordo. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, there was a reporter on site at the time, just one, that was taking some photos, and some people got together uh, and spent a couple of years trying to figure out lining up buildings with where the photographer was to try and figure out the plots where these, where these cartridges were. Yeah, buried. Right. right. Now, now Atari has disavowed this, saying it never happened, it never existed, and people forgot about it for mm-hmm. you know quite a few years. Well, and it became myth. It became, yeah, it became like an urban legend, very yeah. much like the flubber coming up through the cracks of right, the, right. the Hasbro parking lot. So mm-hmm. people were like, oh, well, they dumped all these E.T. games. But uh, in 2015, uh, when this documentary was made, they actually found, uh, they found the site. Yeah. They found out where all of the, the games were buried. Now, apparently, E.T., was only about 10% of the games that they found. Right. Uh, they found all like all of the old video games just mm-hmm. kind of in, you know, like six packs, mm-hmm. you know, where they would normally be taken to the the shelves of a of a of a store to be sold. Right. They found them in cellophane under the ground. Right. Now, it wasn't Atari's idea to dump all these games, correct? It was whichever warehouse was holding them. Right. They were the ones. They couldn't either... sell them. They were basically worthless at the time. Right. They, they so couldn't like, do anything. What with do them. we do with them? Yeah. So we already bought them. We we didn't haven't. We're not going to make our money off of them. Right. So we dump them. And uh, instead of lighting them on fire like Hasbro <laughs> tried to, <laughs> right. they just put them in a dump. Sure. And apparently they tried to do it on the hush hush so nobody would, you know, come and steal them. And it wasn't an embarrassment for the company and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And then thirty years later, they were dug up and and found. And uh-huh. apparently, you can find some of them on eBay to wow. this day for going for, you know, thousands of dollars because really? yeah, it's a part of, of, you know, computer history. It is. And know? here's the thing is that in that documentary, they talk a lot about the design of the ET game. Right. And how it came to be. And how a lot of people call it the, the worst. worst video game that was ever made. Right. And I, given the time constraints that the programmers had and just the market at the time. I can understand the rush and all the stuff that happened. Well, they had like five weeks yeah. to be able to and make it, this game so I, it, they could have it for, for Christmas. Right. And a normal game of the time took about, what, three to six months to right. develop all the way through? Yeah. Get all the bugs out? So And they did it in a month and a half. Kind of crazy. Which is amazing considering the fact that uh, it took me like six months just to create the Curioso website. So, <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. That reminds me, the other day was our friend Lars's birthday. Right. 
So I snuck next door to where he was having his birthday and picked him up a present. Mm -hmm. And it happened to be a game cartridge. Oh, really? Yeah, it was Empire Strikes Back on the NES, but it reminds me of the whole story. Right. (laughs) Like, that was a good game, so I'm glad no one buried it. So, yeah, uh, I I don't know. I just, uh, I think that it's really cool that that this urban legend about Mm -hmm. all these video games, you know, was found. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just a really cool thing. And it was neat how they played it out in the documentary. It was something akin to an Indiana Jones move, you know, Mm -hmm. where they're looking at pictures and looking at the angle of the light and trying to triangulate where the the buried treasure is. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, Joe, let me ask you, what was probably your favorite video game growing up? That's a hard one. Yeah. That's yeah. a really – because I played my ass off when I got the 2600. Right. I mean, oh, man, Pitfall, Centipede, like all of those games. But really, like my favorite game when I was growing up mm-hmm. probably didn't rear its ugly head until Super Mario 3. Oh, I could that was a good one. I could play the hell out of Oh, that game and what, was it The Wizard? Yeah. That came out during that with uh, Fred Savage, the wizard. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It came out as like a companion. They Mm -hmm. introduced it there. Yeah. Yeah. But that was probably like, that was the one that I would play all the time. Right. I think, okay. So here it goes, Joe. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. Are you okay with that? Sure. Yeah. Meow. Okay. I think my favorite video game growing up, I I loved the Final Fantasy games. Yeah, I did like... I freaking love them. Now, I never played Final Fantasy 1. I never played the original. Which is very similar to Legend of Zelda, from what I remember. Yeah, I think it's uh, like Dragon Warrior I remember playing. Okay. And a few other games like that, like RPGs, like role-playing games. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, I never played the first one, but I did play Final Fantasy 2 on like Super Nintendo, and Mm -hmm. like there was a few other ones. Uh, on like Nintendo and I, I played a few different ones, but yeah, there's like Final Fantasy 47 out now, right? It's 15. 15. 15 sorry. is where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but I think my very favorite was probably Final oh Fantasy 7. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's tart as shit. That is they very tart. Are, Sony wow. is, or rather, Ooh. not Sony, they aren't Sony, Square Enix, no, or as I like to call them, Squeenix. Squeenix. Uh, Square Enix is creating a new version of Final Fantasy VII. Oh, like a remastered version? Oh, no, it's like they are redoing it. Oh, wow. It's like a reboot. Oh, sweet. Like not a remaster, but a reboot. They are remastering Final Fantasy XII. Oh, okay. And putting that out on PS4 also. Is that the one with the big train and the chocobos? Oh, they're, they all have chocobos. <laughs> okay. They all, they all have chocobos. But anyway, I've, I've really liked all of them. And my wife and I, we've been playing Final Fantasy Fifteen recently, mm-hmm. uh, the one that you always jokingly say has a boy band in it. It is like yeah, it's basically playing a boy band and driving around and eating cup of noodle and and hitting things with giant swords. Yes, sure, yes, uh, very much like that. And uh, you know, collecting crystals, right? So yeah. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Uh, Dana and I have not recorded the first episode, but we are creating mm-hmm. a podcast all about Final Fantasy. Because we love it so much. And nice. we are calling it Giant Swords and Crystals. Mm. Our first episode is not out yet. It might not be out for another couple weeks. 
uh, but we are creating it. We are doing it. We are making it. It is making headway. Uh, I've already created the website, and uh, and you're going to hear more about it uh, every time we release an episode. So I'm nice. letting the cat out of that bag now. Dana, mm. I'm sorry. I love you. Uh, <laughs> but I had, I just had, it had to come out. We were talking about video games. Yeah. And uh, it's at the, the tail end of our episode. So, nice. you know, so uh, hopefully this one just won't get buried. <laughs> you know <laughs> well, yeah and you guys will just ooze up from the ground in a couple of years yeah and yeah. and do another episode sure. so we're, we're not going to do uh well you know what i tell you what uh i will make sure that like uh somehow the feeds cross and you will know about it when we come out with the first episode uh where we're probably going to just discuss what we're going to do with the show and mm-hmm. how we're going to do it and like our rating system and stuff cool. like that cool. so so that's that's going to be it, Joe. Uh, nice. I'm I'm done. I am out of here. I'm going to go home and dig up some buried fossils in my backyard. Sweet. I'm going to go see if I can find some money. Oh, that'd in be my even backyard. better. That'd be even better. Some gold yeah. nuggets. Mm-hmm. Gold nuggets. You damn nuggets. <laughs> All right, Joe. Well, uh, thank you so much for uh, coming out and recording this with me. Yeah, you're I welcome. Had a great thank time, you. You know, and uh, I guess we'll uh, talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can also check out our videos, youtube.com backslash Curioso Podcast. You can call our voicemail line, leave us a message, 443-327-9673. On your touchtone phone, that spells Hydasaur. On the Curioso.com website, On the left-hand side, you can help support the show by clicking on our Amazon link. And if you're a real Curioso, we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. Oh, do you have a thing? Oh, man. No. Um, shit. I've probably buried more animals than I can count, but I don't think that counts. You've already done one about burying, like, bones or something like that before. Yeah, I don't know if burying things or digging up weird stuff. No. I mean, unearthing things in an attic, but that's not the same thing. Right. Not even close. It's just sort of finding yeah. crap. Yeah. Antietam. Did you find something in Antietam? Yeah. Freaking bullet flying all over the place over there. Did you find one, though? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't take it or anything, but. Did you? What did you do with it? I threw it down back on the ground. Oh. Somebody else probably took it. Probably. Yeah. How, how am I going to do a rusty old bullet? Mm, keep it, put it on a necklace. <laughs> keep it and put it on a necklace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, but everybody has that story. I don't have that story. I never found a rusty old bullet. No? No. You ever pretend that you were like Indiana Jones when you were a little kid? No. I did. <laughs> <laughs>